this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. Yeah, Father, I just want to thank you, God, that it is our one desire. Father, we are fixed on knowing your goodness and seeing your glory, Lord. We are fixed on living in your presence, God, and seeing your beauty. And we just say, Holy Spirit, come and blow through today. Come and fall upon us. Come and just pour out, Lord. Not not a little drizzle, God, but an outpouring, Lord, of your Spirit. You say, Father, that you will pour out your Spirit on sons and daughters, Father. Father, that you say and you invite us into that river, God, just as we spoke of last week, God, that is that river of your Spirit, God. And we just thank you, Father, that today... God, we will leave change. God, we will be transformed, not because of any one person, but because we've encountered you, Father. And God, that is our great desire on this earth, is to encounter you, Father. And as we are changed, Lord, we go out, God. Father, change our hearts today, God. In Jesus' name. I want you to keep your eyes closed. I want to invite you on a journey. And this journey isn't a Sunday morning. It's not... And overnight, it's a, it's a however long God wants this journey to be. It's a lifelong journey. But this journey is one where you will cross rivers. You will climb mountains. You will have to face giants. You will face your fears and you will overcome. And you will see the goodness of God. And you will be encountered by the spirit where control will have to give way. In this journey people will reject you. <laughs> they will wonder and they will question. And, but in this journey, you will also come into a place of rest. <laughs> you will come into a place where you will start seeing miracles. You will start seeing sickness bow to the name of Jesus. And in this journey, you will come to a place of letting go. <laughs> and this journey requires a lot of us, but There are so many benefits in this journey, and this journey will will have you meet people in the natural that inspire you to move, inspire you to take risk and change, and God will take you to wherever He wants you to go. And so I invite you now, but as I preach the sermon, it'll be your choice as to whether you want to join, join in on this journey. Yeah, we thank you, Father. So this journey started for me, I've been saved for 13 years um, when I was 19 in London, but the first seven years I really pursued God and I, re- I got to know him as a father. The characteristic of the father was something that I really got to know him in and, and then something happened, <laughs> not quite sure, um, think I might have become familiar with God, got to know him, think, you know, I- I'm sure this is how it works, but, but then... About two years ago, I had this thought, okay, so in Revelations, it says that in eternity, we will be bowing down to God. <laughs> we'll be bowing down in worship. And, you know, and, and it, all I could think was of Hillsong songs and us going like this. And I was like, to be honest with you, I had to think that was a bit boring. I was like, 
shucks, I, I'm not sure if I'm excited about that. <laughs> you know, and when you, when, you come with, when you get faced with the reality of what's in your heart, you can't run away and deny it. And so that was the one thing. And the second thing was when I was in Brazil last year on a missions training school, the night before my birthday, the Holy Spirit came to me and he said, Lauren, your hope, your hunger, and your, you are driven by when I'm going to release your platform, when, when I'm going to answer your promises and when I'm going to answer your prophecies. And he said, I want to take you to a place where your hunger and your desire and you are driven to see me glorified to see my name lifted high and to know my kingdom and to be the kingdom to this world. And immediately when, when that comes, you go, you go into that river, denial, you know. And, and that's what we do. We go, no, but God, I, I want to see you. Like my ministry and the platform that you've given me is for your glory because it literally is promises and prophecies that God says, I will preach and I will write books and I will, but everything in me was driven towards that. My quiet times, how I would pray, a lot of that was driven and you had to face this reality. And so that was the second thing. And the third thing was I met a, um, a friend of mine, um, had done a missions training school, sort of mission school in, in America. And every time I encountered her, I saw something different in her. And I was like, she has got an intimacy with God and she has a hunger that I, I, I knew when I, 10 years ago when I was saved, but I don't have that anymore. And so I had to start facing some things and I had to start asking God questions and I, I had to, to, to realize that what he was inviting me to do was way beyond what I thought I was able to do. Um, and I, I want to invite you into this journey and um, I've called, well, first of all, let me just, before I get to the title, um, I said, okay, God, what is eternity? And I started searching the scriptures and he brought me to John 17. Okay, first of all, um, so invitation, the, the series is called The Hunger Games, okay? And this is not about Katniss Everdeen, so we're not gonna kill off each other. It might require that you die to self, okay? Um, okay, so that's just The Hunger Games. And, um, and the scripture God took me to was John 17 where he says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. And as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And I realized that eternity is around knowing God. And when I really know him and I'm intimate, my heart burns and longs for getting into the presence and getting into that place of eternity where I will bow down and I cannot get enough of bowing down. I can, cannot get enough of worshiping him. It's not an hour every morning to tick it off the box, but every moment that I have and every chance that I get, I press in for more. I press in for more. But what was required was letting go. It required that exactly what God said to me. He said, all you're holding on to and everything that you found comfort in the future of one day you will preach to nations and you will write, that needs, you, need, you need to let that go <laughs> because you've got a preconceived idea of what your calling is. You've got a preconceived idea based on a prophecy and you haven't allowed me to come and bring my word and bring who I am into every single situation. And just as it says Jesus is called to glorify the Father, so we are invited to partner with him. And I didn't, I didn't, what does it mean? What is glory? What does glorify mean? And glorify means to make known. 
So if we come to the reality of whether it is in whatever industry you're in, that it's the calling and the purpose is not to become the CEO. That's a part of the journey, and maybe that's a promise and prophecy God's given you. But today you are called to glorify and make known the Father. And I wrote this thing. It says, when we are satisfied and embrace the calling of glorifying the Father, we can embrace the present moment in truly reflecting the Father in whatever and whoever we are busy with. We let go of the fear and anxiety of not knowing what is to come and what I should or shouldn't be doing. The negative longing of the past that we often find comfort in, one, God did use me, God, I remember that time, is no longer the thing that hangs over us. But we seek the manifest presence of God every day, and when we keep that as our hunger and our thirst, then we live in a place of true rest, because in Exodus, God says, my presence will go with you, and you will find rest. And we will live in a place of joy, where Psalm 16 says, in my presence is the fullness of joy. Have any of you asked the question, I'm lacking joy? (laughs) People don't see joy in me, and I'm supposed to be this believer, but everything's so intense and heavy, and I've got to work through these issues, and that's a part of the process, but we should be joyful. We should be laughing. We should, you know, and and it's a reality that I had to come to a place with is I've I've lost my joy. (laughs) You know, we say our joy and our salvation, but joy is an everyday thing, and so the first part of the series of the Hunger Games is called Letting Go. Who's excited to let go? Hey? Okay. And so when I started searching this ki- the, the scriptures around the kingdom, I got to the Beatitudes, and I'm going to read all of them for you, but it, I've only got a few up there. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they are comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be, be shown mercy. And it carries on. And, and I, we ask, what is, what is blessing? Like, if I'm financially wealthy, then I'm blessed. But it's quite scary if you look at what the word says, to be blessed. <laughs> to be blessed is to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek to hunger, to be merciful, to be pure in heart, to be persecuted. (laughs) But the reward of what true blessing is, is the type of thing that God gives back to us, is the kingdom of heaven. We will be comforted. We will inherit the earth, the salvation of souls. We will be filled. We will show mercy. And the challenge, when I looked at this, was in everything, nearly every one of those, there's there's something of letting go. (laughs) We have to let go of control. Or, and, and if you look at the poor, okay, to be poor means lacking, okay? not having, being judged. We don't want that. I'd rather, I'd rather be controlled. I'd rather control what I have and not have to lack anything because you, know, it's, you make yourself vulnerable. To mourn means that when you've lost something or when there's something in your heart that you have to press in to experience the emotion of mourning. You can't harden your heart and stand back and go, I'll deal with it someday. And in the kingdom, that's, that's what God invites us to, is letting go of our, our right and our ability to control our emotions, but actually to, to allow ourselves to mourn, allow ourselves to experience things. Um, 
and to be merciful. When you're merciful, you give up your right to judge. Okay? Because what is mercy? Mercy is, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. So when someone in, in, the, in, in the church that you are discipling, in your family, whatever, they're stuffing up and they're messing up and they're not doing what you've been asking them to do, you give up your right to judge and you be merciful. You trust the Holy Spirit to do the work that needs to be done inside of them. Okay? So what God was saying to me in this invitation was, I want you to come and know me, Lauren. I want, I'm inviting you, eternity is to know me. And I was like, but I know you as a father. And he's like, Lauren, do you know me as the lion of the tribe of Judah? Do you know me, Jesus, as the one that roars in the face of sin and sickness and darkness and they flee? Do you know the power of God manifest in a situation where I will roar? What scared me the most was, he said, how do you know Holy Spirit? And I was like, Holy Spirit comforts. (laughs) Holy Spirit gives me words of knowledge for people. And yes, he does. But he took me to scripture in Acts 2 verse 2 where he says, when they were in the upper room, heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down like a mighty rushing wind. And I was like, I don't see you, Holy Spirit, as a mighty rushing wind. Just like that Ezekiel in the river, he's force. He's a forceful. And at that time, I remember... I was sitting um, in front of my house, and we had a river in front of our house, and it rained. And I was sitting there, and I was hearing this, this sound, and it sounded like thunder, and it sounded like this rushing thing, but there was no water. Like, the water was just normal as it is. And I, I felt this thing building up in my spirit, and I was excited, and I got out, and I was like, it's not raining anymore. What's going on? And as I looked, this flash flood came, and this water came pouring down that river, And God said, that is my spirit. He says, I come in. And I was like, God, that scares me. (laughs) Because if I'm going to really go in to get to know you, then it means that I'm going to have to let go of my preconceived ideas of who you are. And it means that I'm going to have to let go of control of what other people think about me. (laughs) Am I weird? Am I strange? What is she doing? She's too radical. She's too spiritual. He's too whatever. And And I just got to a place where I'm like, God, whatever it takes... Come and do whatever it takes. Let me get out of my box. Let me take you out of your box and come and do what only you can do in my life. And so it started with this fear of control, this fear of letting go of control and letting go of other things that comfort us. And, um, and I had to let go of that ministry and that idea of ministry. And I, and I thought, but if I let go of that, who am I? What do I tell people? Okay, It's awesome to be a wife and it's awesome to be a, a mother. And I have those things and I long for those things but there's so much more in my heart for that, and I had to let go and trust God. Okay. And, um, and I, it meant that I had to start taking God at his word. <laughs> and one of these fears of letting go of control was when you become pregnant, you face fear on a whole new level. And I remember the one night I was lying, we were in San Francisco, and I had these pains in my stomach really badly. And I started fearing he's going he's gonna to be deformed. He's going to come out, you know, he's going to be a stillborn. You know, you know, there's irrational. Does anyone get those thoughts? You're like, this doesn't make sense, but these fears just come at you. Okay? And God said to me, Lauren, are you going to partner with fear for the rest of your life, for Benjamin and mothering him, or are you going to partner with the word of what I've spoken over him? And God reminded me that night of words that he'd given Stefan before we were even married that Benjamin 
will know the presence of God from a young age. He will be an evangelist. He will love people. And so I said, well, God, if those are the words you've spoken over him, then he has to be born, right? Okay. So he's going to come out, and he's going to be able to hear you. Okay. And, and one of, um, God, often through this journey, and I'm still on this journey, I'm inviting you. You're in a different place. Where you may be starting the journey. Maybe you're there. Maybe you, wherever you are on the journey, let God come and speak to you and meet you where you're at. Okay, so it is hard to relinquish control to someone if you don't trust them, okay? It's hard to relinquish control when you know something about someone, but you don't know them intimate enough to go, whatever you're inviting and asking me to do, I will give it over to you. And that was the reality of God said to me, Lauren, you do not fear the one you are intimate with. And I thought about Stefan as my husband. I thought, I don't fear him. I'm intimate with him. I can trust him. And that meant that was I really intimate with God? (laughs) Because if he was asking me to go beyond my comfort zone and go beyond what I know now to pursue and know him and glorify him, then was I really intimate with him? And this is not a a message of condemnation or guilt or I'm not doing enough and we'll get there later, but it's an invitation just like the words came beforehand. Okay, so we say... Um, the scripture God used, like I said, is there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him before he first loved us. And I want to use that love as Jesus. There is no fear in Jesus, but perfect Jesus casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in Jesus. We, we, we love him because he first, okay. So what I'm trying to say is it's not a performance. I'm not perfected. I need to do more. It's a, pl- it's a place of growing our revelation, <laughs> you know, and that's what happens. We first get saved and we seek God and we're passionate and we want to know him, but then somewhere along the line, we grow cold because we assume, we presume he works like this and he, and it's such a subtle thing. <laughs> it's such a subtle thing, but our hearts, we no longer hunger to experience the presence of God and we, and come to church with an expectation and I said, okay, God, that's great. I want to trust you, but who are you? And I want to read Psalm 145. Close your eyes again. It's a long psalm, but it's the most beautiful one that David writes about who God is. He says, great. Okay, so what I, why I'm reading is this is because who is this one that we trust, that we can relinquish control, let go of? Psalm 145 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of, tell of the power of your awesome works. I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Sure. He is slow to anger, and he is rich in love. The Lord is gracious, and he is compassionate. The Lord is slow to anger, and he is rich in love. The Lord is good. He is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down before him. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, 
He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. And when we read that scripture, you can open your eyes. It's like, do you know? Do you know God is compassionate? Do you know him as the one that fulfills all his promises in his time? Do you know the one that he fulfills the desires of our heart? And do you understand that these are through experience, through disappointment, through misinterpreting what he's been saying or promises, we've allowed ourselves, we've allowed the enemy to come and allow us to believe lies of who God is. And I've got to, I've got to say this, this for me was such a shocker because I was like, no, but I'm a leadership in church and I'm, you know, Jesus, I love you and I'm seeing miracles and stuff. And I was going, but I don't, God, I know, I know in my head, but in my heart, it is not revelation that you are good. And I can't pursue the unknown of what you're calling into me to when, when God says, I want you to resign and wait on me. No, God, that's not wise. No, 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 God, that's not. Okay, make sure that God, that is what God said. Trust, talk to people around you and go, this is what God's saying. Do you have confirmation? Do you understand? Whatever it is, when he says to you, I want you to break up with that girl because she's not for you. No, but God, she's my comfort. She understands me. She also loves Jesus. Can we trust the unknown and what's to come? Can we let it go if we trust the Father and the one that's, who's actually saying what he's asking us to do? And so... Um, you go, Lauren, that's great. <laughs> I can see. I can see in this one. I can see in that one that they know God like that. But I don't, and how do I? <laughs> I would be setting you up for failure today if I didn't give you some practicals on how to really press in. And, and the scripture God gave me on how was Matthew eleven twenty five. Jesus says, come to me. Let's all say, come to me. <laughs> come. Come. How? Stephen and I, in the beginning of our relationship, whenever we said how, then we'd be like that, that Indian, you know, this, those Indians? How? Let's look at how. Anyway, I won't make you guys look too much like fools today. Um, we've already done the sword. Okay, so he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So to really know the Father, know the character of the Father, because Jesus just came to reflect the Father, right? So to know Jesus, we need to get into the Word. We need to read the Gospels of who Jesus is. And if we, we read something, we're going, but this isn't, this isn't I, I don't see this in my life. I don't know this. Then we keep on pressing in to know that. We ask God to show us examples of how he is like that. But the most beautiful thing is here, he says, I will give you rest for your souls. And your soul is your emotions, your intellect, and your will. Who of you have come across a decision and your will's like, yes, no, but this, but that, okay? Or women and men, your emotions. No, but I feel. No, but I'm experiencing. And, and God has given us emotions for a reason, but they need to be subject I mean, especially when I was pregnant, eh? Sure. <laughs> Stefan was just like, okay, I'm going to give you space. Okay, let's, are you ready to talk? He allowed me to have emotions. It's the most beautiful thing that God's given us. And please don't ever tell anyone you're too emotional. We are emotional beings. 
But we need to learn to find rest in our emotions when we come to God. And, and your intellect. Somewhere in the church we've allowed this thing that if someone thinks differently to me, then I must know they're deceived or they're rejected or no, you're rebellious. God has given us our intellect. <laughs> He's given us the critical thinking to reason. And we need to honor each other to go, you think differently, but we are here because of the Father. We're not here because we differ and we, it's, we're not here around doctrine. We're here because we are here to come around to worship the Father. Okay. And so just a testimony there. A quick example is this. Is I've, I, I had this big fear of someone breaking into our house and affecting me. Some of you, some of you and I, I, I struggled with Stefan going away because this fear would drive me and I would lie, I wouldn't sleep. And I said, God, I need you to show me that you're my protector. That characteristic of letting go, of letting go of making sure all the windows are closed and, and environment and da-da-da-da-da, if I know you're my protector. So a week before Benjamin was born, they break into our flat, okay, at three o'clock in the morning. And for the weeks before that, I was awake between two and four because you're very uncomfortable. You don't know where to lie, you know. You're like, the, the stomach is just so big. And that night, I slept they were, the window was literally where the piano is. They cracked it open. The next door neighbor said she heard this cracking in the middle of the night, and I slept through it. Okay? Now you tell me God's not my protector? He showed me afterwards a vision of him standing right in front of my door so that I would not hear the activity. Because if I'd woken up and gone out, I don't know what would have happened. Face to face, you see. So God someone, sometimes will take you into the midst of your fear to show you who he is. But we, we just want to ease our com- circumstances <laughs> because we don't want to face those things. Okay, so I want to go, what is the key then to letting go of control? So we go, what God was inviting me into was the place of letting go of fear, fear of control, just this co- controlling my environment. But his invitation was to hunger, to know him more, to let him take me into places of who he is and what he wants to do, do through me, because what he wants to do through each one of us today is so much more than what you think you are, you are capable of. And the key to letting go and trusting this great God of who I've just spoken about is in Matthew 5, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm going back to the Beatitudes. You see, the Beatitudes is where we're faced with the challenge, this tension between it's blessing, but there's also something that's required from our side. Blessing, the, the keys of letting go is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what, again, I want to say blessed are the humble in spirit. And what, what happens with the pride of life is we get to a place, we go, I've got this. I'm competent. God, I can trust you with the big things. And a friend shared with me this week, she said, I can trust God to pray for healing for someone's sickness, but I can't pray and ask God to help my baby sleep through the night. You know? And we need to ask ourselves, do we know that God? That he wants to be intimate with us, that he says, Lauren, in everything that you do, and every day, I want to glorify my name, and I want you to share the testimonies of who I am, and that means right now, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to ask you for the small things. But if you believe that God is far off, and he favors someone else, and someone else's prayers get answered, then you can't trust him for those type of things. But it's when we are humble that we go, I don't care what people think. I'm in, okay, no, Stefan says, 
I'm a, we must care what people think in the sense that you can't sit in the front and pick your nose and think, oh, I don't care what people think, you know. There is a sense of self-awareness, okay. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I'm not going to let what people think hinder me from pressing into what God is asking of me. That thing that he's saying, step over. Let go. Let go of this. Let go of that control. Trust me. And when we are humble, when we, when we say every day, I need you, then it's in that place, and I'm close to finish. This is my second last page. Is, um, you see, the, the, we, we, go, we go humble is weak. You know, um, I'm humble. I just need to, you know, there is a place of, in the natural you come low. But there's a tension between living as royalty, because we are co-heirs with Christ, but being constantly aware of our need. And King David did that well. King David, this amazing man that had even natural possessions, he had a lot. But he was so aware of his need of God. He was so aware of, Jesus, what does it look like? What are you calling for me? What are you requiring of me? And it's in this place of humility that God can start entrusting us with his mysteries because he says whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted and I remember being at Deloitte two or three years ago and I was like I am up for this promotion I know I've done worked hard I've done this I've, you know that self-exaltation <laughs> that place of you know there's nothing wrong with desiring those things, but it's, it's a place of, God, if you, give me that, if you give me that promotion, it is just because of your hand. It's because you are good and because you want to give me an increase of platform, an increased platform in order to make your, yourself known. You know, and, and I think God also entrusts culture. We want to, be, we want to change culture especially in the corporate environment and in families, you know, it's this negative racism, it's competition, it's strife, it's self-exaltation. And your heart burns and you have these great ideas to see the culture change. But God will give you a platform to speak and things will change when you are constantly aware of your need, when you are humble, when you come in and, and he does that. I've seen it, I've seen even, even with Stefan, the influence God's given him in his company is crazy. But he's constantly aware of God's presence. Daily, he's aware and he asks God, what do you want for today? It's also in this place of humility where we can have the kingdom of heaven. And what is the kingdom? It's peace and righteousness and joy. We can have joy. We can have peace. We can get into that place of peace when our drive is not about, oh God, you need to, you've promised me a husband. So I'm going to wait until that, and then I will experience peace and joy. No, right now I will experience peace and joy. Okay. Once again, nothing wrong with desiring a husband. It's amazing. But I'm just using it as a typical example, okay? I struggled with that. Okay. It's a place where God pours out grace. Because he says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And grace is equipping you to do exactly that thing. You go, God, this is too much. You're asking too much of me. I don't know if I can go there. I will give you grace for it. I will equip you and I will give you everything that you need. You've got this business idea. God, how? Every day, God's saying, wait. 
It's not time yet. No, 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 but God, there's someone else in the market that's already starting with this thing. I'm going to be behind. He says, who will I exalt? (laughs) I'll exalt exalt the humble. I will open the doors before you. And um, lastly, with this, God came last year, and and there was this this friend I told you about that went overseas, and she'd, she'd come back, and every time I encountered her, I was like, there's something in my heart that wasn't right. Like, I was like, I know you've got something, but I'm just going to reject it because this and this isn't right in your life. And so I'm going to justify my comfort. Okay. Or I'm going to go, oh, and I did. I was like, God, why are you pouring your spirit out over her? Why is she seeing your glory? Why is she seeing salvation, so many salvations and healings? And she's getting to preach all over. And, you know, is there something I'm doing wrong? <laughs> oh, God, you favor her more. Do we do that? <laughs> Okay. Do we compare ourselves to other people? Comparison kills. God will give you according to your faith for where you are at right now. And to humble myself, well, you know, if you don't humble yourself, God will humble you. And in a loving and gentle way, and he said, the next time you see her, I want you to go to her, and I want you to say to her, will you pray for me? Will you come and lay on hands and impart to me whatever it is that you have? Because I want it. And I was like... I'm like, Lord, (laughs) no, you can just give it to me, you know, just between, but the pride in our hearts, you know, and God's inviting us to say, to what degree will you be transformed? Because we need a transformation to get to that place of humility. Is that right? And so the scripture is how, Romans 12, 2, once again, how, how do we get a transformation of our thinking and our, you know, how we see ourselves, how we see God is And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. And that transformation defined is to make a marked change in the form, nature, or appearance of. And so I realized for for me to change my hunger and my desire from what I have and what, what God's given me to present, how can I glorify God? How can I let go of control and let go of whatever those things that are holding me from diving into that river and going full out for him was I need to be transformed. And it's a transformation of your mind because I realized that culture, church culture, makes me perceive God like this. Church culture, family culture, South African culture, we, we think of God, we think of ourselves so often around about the things that influence over us. And that's not bad, but we need to bring that back to the word. But God, who are you in this situation? Come and show me who you are in the situation. And so um, when I was, when Stefan and I got, went to San Francisco last year, and I'm going to, the next slide's the last one. Um, we, it was the day after our anniversary, and was the day of our anniversary, and we both decided to spend time separate, quiet time with God separately, we went cycling over the Golden Gate Bridge. How cool was that? Tandem. Stefan's like, I'm going to make a tandem because I know you're pregnant and you might not want to cycle. You know, so I'm like sitting at the back. I'm taking photos, not cycling. And then Stefan doesn't know what I'm doing. And he, people are right, driving past and they're going, she's not cycling. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. You know? <laughs> there was this T-shirt um, in one of the shops in America and it said, baby made me do it. <laughs> and Stefan's like, no, you're not going to use Benjamin as an excuse for things. <laughs> I love him. He keeps me on track. Um, 
And, and so God said to us, this season is going to be one of repentance. This, the next three months in San Francisco, you're going to need to renew your mind. And how do we renew our mind? We, we come into a place of repentance. Okay? So the, I want to say that renewing of your mind, what is to renew something is to bring it to its original state. Who gets that? Okay? When you renew your mind, you bring it to the original state. What is our original state? If you think about that, can anyone... What was our original state? Okay, I'm just going to do... It's very practical. The Garden of Eden. Where Adam and Eve just flourished in the presence of God. What happened? They took control. And that's when, when division started and we started performing and we started striving and fear comes in. Because God is inviting us to be at peace in his presence, where that is enough. <laughs> where today, whoever's in front of me, I can give you all of me. I can be present with you because I know that the prophecies and the promises, God's got those. <laughs> My dri- I'm driven for now. Okay, and so let's just quickly, I want to give you once again, what is, some of you like repentance, what is that? I don't even know what repentance is. Okay, so three steps on repentance. The first one is renunciation. Okay, that slide, the one's supposed to be there. Anyway, whoopsie, no one's judging me, right? Um, renunciation, give me mercy. Renunciation is a formal rejection of something, typically a belief a claim or a course of action. Okay, so let's go. Renunciation of sin, lies, and reversal of it. So the definition, formal rejection of something, typically a belief, claim, or course of action. Repentance is not heavy. Okay? We've made it this heavy thing, I need to come and repent, woe is me. Repentance is like, Father, I can run into your presence and I can change my thinking because you have given me this goodness of who you are. I can reject that claim that you are not there to protect me, and I can embrace who you are in the situation. Okay, so what we first do with repentance is we go, I reject the lie of whatever it might be about who God is. I reject the lie that I am unworthy to come to the front and share. I reject the lie that because I shout at my husband and because I swear in traffic, yeah, I'm using lots of examples that people gave me this week, I can't come and press into your presence. Because it's in, you, it's in his presence that he's going to come and talk to you about that. <laughs> and he's going to transform you. Okay. The second thing, okay, so that, and then there's a reversal. So now we've, we, we've laid it down, we've repented, but now we need to reverse into what is the second thing, which is submission and teachability to Jesus' commands. So we go to the word and we go, Jesus, what are those commands that you've... Not, he's not trying to put control of you. He's trying to, to come and say, this is what is blessed. <laughs> this is what you need. Okay. And the third thing is a continuous shapeability to the guidance and correction of the Holy Spirit. So it's that continuous place of... Sorry, and I left out that one scripture of how do we come to Jesus and how we get to know the Father. The second thing was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where he says, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. We all know that scripture. But he highlighted to me, in all your ways, acknowledge me. Okay? So that is when you're trying to put your baby at, you know, to sleep. 
Lord, I acknowledge you. I need you now. You're going into a difficult business meeting. You're having a hard conversation with a family member. Your, your child is sick. You don't have enough money for food. Do you understand? It's, we're like, oh, well, I've pressed into God, and he doesn't pitch up. Or, and these are real things that we struggle with, but God will always meet you. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. And so it's a place of acknowledging, and at, the more we acknowledge him, we're like, God, there's something you're talking to me about. I'm just acknowledging you, and then you carry on. And then he'll come and he'll work in your heart. <laughs> Who's excited? Does anyone, does, could anyone relate to this? It feels like I'm like, boom. <laughs> Earthquake, shh. <laughs> what gets us into the presence of God? What, what has us, on top of everything that I said, what, what compels us into the presence of God? And this is something God has shown me. He said, passion and compassion. When you are so passionate about something that God has laid on your heart, you will get into the presence of God and you will hunger and need him because you know that it's only through him that this thing is going to come to pass. Or compassion, when someone is sick or someone is broken or they're struggling in their family or their marriage is, that compassion gets you into a place of, of trusting God and needing him. And I sometimes think we've lost passion. We've lost that compassion because we, we want to control, because it means too much of us. 